Welcome back to another episode of Another Mother Podcast, a safe place for blended families to unravel the blended chaos and share lessons learned, the good, the bad, and the high conflict. I'm your host, Dana. I've been a struggling and confused stepmom for over eight years now, and I'm finally feeling like I'm starting to find my groove while flailing and failing along the way. Now let's grab a drink and talk some shit. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Another Mother Podcast, and I am just so excited to have Garrett and Chelsea here from Transformed Couples. So welcome, you guys. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here with you today, Dana. Yeah, it's great to have you guys too. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, Just obviously, we're going to acknowledge the elephant in the room right now, Albertans. We're all Albertans here. That's right. Awesome. Proud of it. And I've, I know I've come across your guys' Instagram stories before. Um, do we have a Flames and an Oilers fan in both ho- in the same house? You betcha. We Battle do. of Alberta is always a fun night at our house. <laughs> I'm an Oilers fan. Go oil. And Garrett's been a Flames fan for his whole life. So for his whole life. Oh, good for you guys. We we are kind of. A mixture in my home. So my husband is Flames. I am Toronto Maple Leafs and my son is Oilers and my bonus daughter is also Flames as well. So we're just like all over the map here. (laughs) Um, My bonus son, Garrett's son, as we'll get into a little later, but like he walked upstairs this morning wearing a Vegas Knights jersey and we're like, where does this come from? <laughs> you normally don't cheer for the Knights, but yeah, he plays minor hockey and it was the cool thing to do today. So <laughs> I think it's been the cool thing to do since they came out, to be honest. Like, I think all the kids are just like going for those jerseys and all of the swag, right? So <laughs> that's awesome. So um, again, welcome you guys to the show. Um, so Garrett and Chelsea have been helping blended family couples communicate, resolve conflict in healthy ways to feel more connected and resilient. Um, And I just want to say that I think the work that you guys are doing is just amazing and so important because I'm not exactly sure what the statistic is, but isn't it like blended family couples are like three times as likely to divorce or something like that, isn't it? The American statistic is that 50% of marriages, first marriages fail and 60% of any and less as the more you marry. But yeah, your 60% of your second marriages are are failing, unfortunately. It's a really sad Uh It is. It is. And as being a stepmother and in a blended family myself, as well as you guys are, it's obviously, we can see why that is, right? There's a lot of hiccups that kind of come up and just things that wouldn't normally happen in a nuclear family. Um, Do you guys mind telling us a little bit about yourselves and your journey and what brought you to starting Transformed Couples and kind of just being those people to help those Mm -hmm. couples communicate better? Yeah, absolutely. So um, myself, I was previously married and uh, went through the process of divorce and separation and all of the emotions that come with that, all of the realities and the new world that you have to embrace as a single parent. And for me, as I was navigating single parent life and going through my own, uh, I guess, rediscovery of self, 
and, you know, seeing counselors and making sense of everything and trying to understand how my new world was going to be, I really started to gain some new perspective. I wanted to gain some new skills. I wanted to improve areas of relationship where previously maybe I, I wasn't strong in and I had acknowledged that through my own self-awareness. And unfortunately, I was watching friends and people around me also start to get divorced. And, you know, it was those types of conversations and realities that kept hitting me upside the head and made me think that there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to improve, to grow. And so I started to look into the process of becoming certified as a relationship coach, um, specifically to learn skills and strategies and, you know, build my toolbox, but also to help prevent that statistic that Chelsea just mentioned from being even greater. Because I do believe, and Chelsea and I are strong believers, that no matter how you get into blended family life, um, no matter what your past is, it doesn't have to dictate and determine your future. And we believe that through intentional action, you can actually be stronger in a second marriage because you've learned and because you have gone through that process. And there's so much that you can take from it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I went through the process of getting certified. And while during the certification, Chelsea was obviously looking over my shoulder and we were talking and she was learning as well. Mm -hmm. And she said, I want to do that. I want to become certified as well. So we reached out and uh, we both ended up getting certified through Empowered Couples University. And then we chose to really focus in on blended family couples for the reason that we are one, so we can relate. Uh, a lot of the challenges we see and talk and coach couples through are things we've dealt with ourselves. Um, but also, you know, we believe we have greater value to serve in this community just based on experience alone. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not speaking mm -hmm. from just theory. We're speaking from practical, real life. Um, and that's what we believe makes us valuable in the space. And, and we love what we do. We love helping couples. We love seeing breakthroughs, not only with themselves as husband and wife, but also as, you know, bonus parents, uh, the dynamics of children and stepchildren, bonus kids. Uh, there's a lot of breakthroughs that are possible there as well. So that's a little bit about how we ended up what we're doing now and why we love what we're doing. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, do you find that the struggles maybe that that you maybe faced in the beginnings of your relationship or your marriage, do you think that's maybe more what brought you through um, to wanting to find those solutions? Like I know with me kind of in the beginning, I didn't even know there was resources out there, um, nor did I think that there there ever would be. Um, I know there's there's some great you know therapy and whatever out there, but um, I felt like I was we were a little more misunderstood just because of our family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, we we failed forward, if that makes sense. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah. So like we did pretty much everything wrong in the beginning. And I'm not even going to lie or sugarcoat it at all. Like there were times where we would look at each other and be like, I don't think this is going to work. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and we weren't even married yet. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so we, you know, this was obviously early on in our relationship, but we were like, 
this is a beast. Like it's hard being in a blended family, whichever way you want to shake it out. The dynamics can be, you know, as complex or as simple as, you know, everybody's situation's unique. But for us, we definitely failed forward. And so we just found that when we were reaching out to certain people, obviously, again, another, um, I guess, issue that we had was that we didn't have a lot of people that could relate to us. And we were reaching out to people who, you know, had no experience with bonus kids or had no experience with an ex that was, you know, high conflict or anything like that. And so we were getting a lot of really bad advice. And so we did explore the, the counseling option. You know, we went to a counselor and ironically enough that you said, you know, yeah, counselors are great, but you know, there was no relatability. It was a single woman who had never been married. She had two dogs, no children, and we're sitting in a room actually, well, at the time it was on zoom. And, uh, you know, we're sitting across the computer from this woman and she's like telling us things. And I'm like, I can't even take you seriously right now because literally you cannot relate to any of what we're going through. So how am I supposed to, you know, how am I supposed to take what you're saying and apply it when it makes no sense for our situation? And so, you know, for Garrett and I, that was another big thing where we were like, people need people that have been through some of these things to like, you know, help them and maybe help them to avoid some of those mistakes that we made in the beginning of our relationship and, you know, learn from us and not have to go through it themselves or, you know, so yeah, it's, there was definitely a need for it. And, uh, we learned that the hard way. (laughs) I think that's the only way to know your path and to know where you're supposed to be. You know, it's all about failing. That's exactly what I teach my kids. Actually. It's just like, yeah, there's no point in getting mad at yourself. We we fail our way through it. That's what makes us human, and that's what makes us better, right? So I I too we went through the same thing. It wasn't so much a family um, therapy. We were kind of on our way to that, but more or less we wanted to get um, my bonus daughter the help that she needed um, because in a high conflict co-parenting situation, like we were like, this is the least we can do is at least kind of get her rolling and. Her counselor was just like, you know, we only want to talk to mom and dad. um, And then we'll kind of talk to her solo. And we think she's doing okay. um, But it was just like not understanding, like, you're already kind of keeping myself and her stepdad out of the room, which I think was like a huge, like, red flag. You know, like we're all involved. We're all here because we love her. And I think involving everybody in her life would be the most beneficial. And I think it started with the parents. Um, So yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think just blended families, I think it's just a little bit more misunderstood. Um, The couples, I mean, going through your reviews again, it's just like it brings tears to my eyes to just see you know, what you're doing and bringing those people together. Because I think couples, these blended family couples, like we're the forefront of the family. And if we're not working, I don't know how it's going to work with your relationships with like your bonus kids and 
your own kids. Um, so did you find maybe just with your clients and couples that you've worked with, do you find that there's maybe a common theme that blended families are struggling with more or less? Or did you find that there's lots of different things? Yeah, we have seen the theme being different parenting styles, um, mm. but also to your point about the, you know, the impact of the X. So, you know, we've coached couples where one X is high conflict. We've coached couples where the other bio parent has passed away, mm -hmm. unfortunately, mm -hmm. which creates a bunch of different responses from the children in terms of trauma. Uh, yeah. We've coached couples where the exes are over-involved and that creates friction. So the combination of parenting styles being different and then the impact and influence of the X have been the, the themes that drive a lot of the challenges between the couples. Mm -hmm. A lot of couples we speak to, and we even see it in their assessment report, is when it's the two of them one-on-one, -on -one, they're on fire. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. they're in a relationship that is foreign to them almost because it's a new way of loving. It's a new way of living. It's... They say to us, and we've heard this from so many couples, we're good when it's just, you know, me and her. But then once the kids are around or once my bonus son is at the house or on the second weekend when our kids are all at the house, then it just goes sideways. <laughs> so it, it it's the theme for whatever reason, but those have been what we've seen primarily. Yeah. 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 That makes total sense. And it's like, the the thing that's a struggle is like there's almost no um i mean at least in my household anyway i'll say <laughs> is that the consistent like our consistency is just all over the map um because you know no week is the same at our house and so it's hard to stay consistent almost in that basis and then my husband works away and he comes home and he doesn't even necessarily parent the same way when he's home because he feels guilty he's been away so it's like there's just all these like balls in the air essentially that I feel like yep. I don't know and then I, I do feel like there's a little bit of um you know you're as a parent, maybe and like in our situation, my son is my son and his daughter is his daughter. We love them both very much. And we've both basically been in their lives since the very beginning. But you tend to maybe protect your own child, maybe in a, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, one piece of advice that was kind of given to me a long time ago, it was from an arbitrator um, who was also a judge and then also the psychologist. Um, and I want to see what your maybe take is on this. Um, do you feel like there is a certain age that maybe a step parent can come in and be able to be like the disciplinary and be able to kind of step in in that way? Or do you think there's like an age cutoff there? Or do you think, um, that you should just kind of be able to kind of step in as a step parent and just, you know, make all the rules and um, be able to discipline them in your own way? Or do you think that's something that takes time? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that there's probably a couple parts to this answer. And so <laughs> I'll start and then I think Garrett would probably have something to say about it as well. But as a rule of thumb, you know, obviously, depending on the circumstances, because sometimes like, 
a bio or a step parent will come into a child's life very early on in life when they're very impressionable, at which point, you know, I definitely think that depending on, you know, where the child is at, you know, cognitively, um, that there would definitely be more of a, a parental role from the step parent to the child, um, obviously, depending on the circumstances, right? Because then you can teach them and they're a little bit more moldable and shapeable at that age. Now, for us, for example, um, our kids were five, six, and seven when we got together. So our three boys, I have two of my own. I don't know if we mentioned that, but I have two bio children of my own and Garrett has one as well. Um, So, and we've been together for um, just over eight years. So, when our when our when we originally got together, um, obviously Garrett was co-parenting with his ex-wife, and I was I was trying to co-parent with a high-conflict ex, and so um, what we said in the beginning and the advice that was given to us actually was that when both parents are present. It's the responsibility of the bio parent to take care of disciplinary measures for their bio children. And when the bio parent is not present, it's important that prior to the bio parent not being present, there's a conversation had with the with the with their kids that says, when I am not here, you know, Garrett has my hat on. So he is the one that you need to respect and listen to. And, you know, that has to be the the precedent that's set is that, you know, in the absence of the bio parent, that the non-bio parent has the same, you know, that the same respect needs to be shown to that person. Now, obviously, that's not always going to go smooth. And so, you know, for us, what would what would happen is if there was an if there was an issue where my kids were left at home with Garrett mm-hmm. um, and something would happen, then he would actually, you know, try to deal with it as best as he could without having to like punish or obviously right. depending on the situation. But if it was like not serious, then I would come home and deal with my children. Mm-hmm. And I would put the consequences in place because it just was better received coming from me. Um, and cause when Garrett would try to discipline them or in the beginning when, you know, things would go wrong and things would happen, like they it just created so much resentment. Totally. And so, you know, it's always how we've done it. Where as the, if the bio parent is present, they take care of disciplining the children. If they're not present, then they, you know, the respect still needs to be shown and the kids still need to listen to the non-bio parent. However, mm-hmm. if disciplinary measures need to be taken, then we would definitely, the bio parent would handle that when they come back home. Oh, that's so valuable. I think that's just, again, in my own experience of chatting with other people, it's just that is the main, main issue. Um, Essentially, it's like the level of respect. And like you said, the precedence that's being set of like, you need to communicate that with your children. Like, listen, this is all brand new and this is a different change. But at the same breath, we respect the people in our home. We respect our loved ones. And I think that just needs to be said. I think there's going to be hiccups and kids are going to be kids and there's tons of emotions and it's very complicated. But um, yeah, even if 
the bio parent isn't respecting what the step parent is saying, I just feel like it's got trouble written all over it. Absolutely. You have to be on the same page. And that's the other yeah. thing too. Like we teach our couples that we coach, like you're always on the same side of the coin and you're always needing to be on the same page when it comes to, well, everything, you know, at the end of the day, you have to have an understanding for each other. But, you know, especially when it comes to parenting, like, even if you have to like write it down and say like, this is what we've agreed to. And like, make those agreements together as a couple and say, you know, like what I just said, you know, Garrett and I, we wrote that down so that we, we were held accountable to it, you know, because there would be those moments where it was like, you know, Garrett would want to discipline the boys or he would want to, you know, step in or step kind of beyond that boundary. And it was like, no, this is what we put in place. So I'm going to bite my tongue as hard as it is, but you're still the parent going to bite your tongue. And then you're not going to move forward with disciplinary measures. And then, you know, I would come home, but then it was my turn to make good on what we agreed on as well to be like, okay, now there's consequences being put in place and I have to follow through on those consequences regardless of, you know, and I, I know you mentioned like if you're, you know, your husband works away. And so there's that guilt sometimes where if you are away for a period of time or whatever, you might not feel like, oh, well, I wasn't here. So I can't really speak to it. Well, you know what, yeah. at the same time, if that's what you've agreed to, and if that's what, you know, like I would have to come home sometimes and I would have to, you know, obviously get both sides of the story. But in the end, I still had to, I had to, you know, deal with the behavior. And, and so that involved putting consequences in place, regardless of whether I was present or not. So, right, right, right. No, yeah. good for you guys. And I just think that is like the huge, the big staple um, in the blended family uh, world. Um, I mean, you can be attracted to each other all you want. You can be good if it's just the two of you all you want, but like at the end of the day, you want that happily ever after. It's like the family dynamic of everything needs to, um, be able to work. Um, so you, you, so you have three boys together. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And they're 13, 14 and 15. So very wow. close. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boys in general, that's got to be such a fun, but also crazy household. I love it. Um, I have to ask because, you know, I feel like there are some, some okays when it comes to stepdad versus stepmom. Um, do you guys feel like you um, dealt with different battles just because of the role that you play? So um Chelsea, did you find maybe more of a challenge being a stepmom versus you, Garrett, being a stepdad? Um, and then just having boys in general. Did like, I guess my one of my particular questions would be, Garrett, did you find it maybe easier to relate to Chelsea's boys just because you're both male? In certain ways and mm -hmm. in certain circumstances, absolutely. They they have come to me basically from the time I was in their lives and yeah. asked me like guy stuff, right? right. <laughs> and how they refer to it because as they've gotten older, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like Chelsea mentioned, they were just six and seven years old when we first met. So now being, right. you know, 14, 15, there's things that they've grown through and experienced. And so they've come to me and they're, you know, they make it clear. They're like, we can't ask our mom about this because she doesn't get it. Cause she's a girl. Mm 
And that's where it's a real opportunity for me to step into that role um, and provide that that male perspective, which I've I've welcomed and enjoyed. Um, so that has been absolutely uh, a blessing as a stepdad to have that. Admittedly, I mean, I'll never have a stepdaughter. I don't know. I don't know how I would talk to a, a, a little girl. Uh, but yeah, definitely the relatability. <laughs> is definitely helpful. <laughs> yeah, you would turn into a pile of mush, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um so Chelsea, did you find it more or less not to not to pinpoint any genders or anything like that, but more or less did you find it harder to jump into that step parent role just because Sometimes I guess we find it a little more, um, society can be a little more judgmental when it comes to being a stepmom because, you know, like we're evil and stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's always kind of, from what I've been experiencing and talking to others, um, you know, us women, we take on the role of mom pretty quickly. A lot of us, it's just ingrained in us. So that's where I feel like some of the the butting of the heads can come between bio mom and stepmom. Um, mm-hmm. Did you find it a little more challenging to get into your role as stepmom? To be honest with you, I had it pretty easy. Um, oh. I was very fortunate to have come into a family like with with Garrett, where he was very in a very healthy co-parenting relationship with his ex-wife. Um, they only had the one son together. So for them, they were navigating, you know, what that looked like. And, you know, my biggest challenge was actually kind of coming back to what Garrett said earlier was a bit of a a helicopter parent happening on the other side with the Mm ex-wife. And so it wasn't so much that she didn't like me or she was telling, you know, our, you know, telling her son to, be mean to me or anything like that. Like there was no animosity whatsoever between the two of us. I think for me, um, you know, I definitely lucked out in that, in that sense. Um, but when it comes to like, so he was quite young, like he was five when I came into his life. So I always just kind of like played that support role to Garrett where like, you know, I'll give you the example of like when he would throw up, like Garrett would basically exit stage left. Like I'm body. I was like, well, okay. Like, you know, my motherly instincts would kick in and I would like go and pick it up. And like, you know, like yeah. there was, there's always like those, those moments where you're able to kind of like shine as the, as the mom, as yeah. the stepmom. Yeah. Um, and I know that there was like a lot of, like, I've always been treated very well by him. Um, he's always been very kind to me. Um, sometimes kinder than my own boys at times, but um, (laughs) definitely noticing a little bit as he's getting older um, and kind of finding his voice a little bit, there's been a little bit more pushback um, just on certain things as he's getting older. So we're navigating Mm -hmm. some things right now that are just kind of like minor, honestly, like it's just little things here and there, just little attitude things. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, um, yeah, it's actually been been pretty good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, 
yeah, it's not every, you don't always see like two step parents in the same home as well as two, the two bios. Um, so I think that's awesome that you guys have had, you know, such a great experience in that sense. I think sometimes we're like, is this a blended family issue or is this like teenage hormone issue or is it just like both? (laughs) Yeah. And that's so true. Like there's a lot of times where you look at other, like, you know, nuclear families or traditional families or whatever you want to call them. And you're like, yeah, you guys got issues too. So Mm -hmm. like, it's definitely not a blended family thing. I think it's just like a teenager thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I need to be held accountable for that too. Sometimes where I'm just like, is this just because she's raging between the homes or is this just because Mm -hmm. like she's going through an insane amount of changes right now. And we just haven't processed that. She's not seven years old anymore. She's 13. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So true. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I guess getting back into um, your services and whatnot, did you, are you finding that you're experiencing a lot of couples who are cycle breakers? Um, meaning, you know, people that have maybe had some issues maybe growing up and maybe they weren't parented the way um, that they would hope to be parented and now their parents themselves or step parents themselves. And they're just like kind of starting from scratch of like, okay, this is the way I was parented. It was maybe borderline abusive. Um, I don't know anything other than this and I need help. Are you experiencing those types of people? Absolutely. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen couples where for instance, you know, one partner grew up in a blended family mm-hmm. and didn't see it carry out very healthily. So, you know, they've reached out because they've acknowledged that growing up, I, I didn't see a very good side of my mom and dad and we had challenges and we want to be better. Uh, and then we've had some couples where, you know, both partners grew up in blended families and they have no idea what to do because they were kids. And now they're living it and they're just putting their hands in the air saying like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, what I'm supposed to say. Um, and, and we tend to learn so much from when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And if we grew up in those patterns of abuse or those, you know, negative patterns that were repetitive weekend after weekend. We didn't see conflict resolved in a healthy way. We saw our parents give each other the cold shoulder or walk away or, you know, speak or, you know, behave inappropriately. We tend to replicate that as adults. And so we've seen couples where that dynamic has been present and they have just said like, hey, (laughs) we need some help. And we don't want to continue the patterns that we've seen or that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely, you know, wanting to put their family in a new direction. You know, your term cycle breakers, you know, some of them have point blank said, like, we don't want for our kids what we grew up with. So we want to stop it now. Yeah. And that's been that's been really empowering because it's those types of couples who really lean into the process and who we can really align with because that's what we had to do. We had to lean in and acknowledge some things. And I mean, we've all heard the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. And that's where our coaching, we, we hold people accountable. We essentially prescribe them, you know, tools and exercises and activities that they 
need to start doing if they want to make change and see change. So yeah, it's, it, it's been a little bit of everything and never a dull moment. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I can't imagine, but I think that's so wonderful. And I think that's like the main um, issue here is just like saying, Hey, I realize like I didn't grow up perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. And in some ways I have no fucking clue what I'm doing and mm-hmm. I need help. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's like, we've always said to our kids, like, we know that you've never been in this situation before, but neither have we. Mm-hmm. And so all learning together and we're all in this together. And at the end of the day, you know, like our kids have been so responsive to that. They're like, you know, yeah, it's true. Like, you know, I've never been married to somebody before that's been previously divorced. Like, you know, our kids have never had step siblings before. Like they're, you know, so when we, when we talk about, and obviously we've come a long way from like, since we've been together, but I think it's just acknowledging that and being like, What's normal for one family is not going to be normal for another family. Like you can't look over the fence at another blended family and be like, oh, that's how you do it. Because what they do might not work for you. And, you know, that's why it's so important to take and like listen to podcasts and, you know, do some coaching if you can, like take what's relevant to what's going to work for you. Try it out, try it on. And if it doesn't work, then take it off. You know, like you have to just, you know, kind of piecemeal it together. But that's how, you know, we found that it it just worked best for us. Oh, that's brilliant. I just could not agree more. It's like you you really have to dig down deep and do your research of like who's relatable. Um, and maybe not all the time, but maybe like what episode is relatable to you that mm-hmm. you can maybe like come back with something because no two families are the same. Mm-hmm. And especially no two blended families are the same. And I knew I, I, I grew up and I was like, oh, adults just know what they're doing. Like parents just know what they're doing. And now as a parent myself, I'm like, oh shit, it was a lie. Yeah. So it's just, it's crazy. And I, I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, honestly, like parenthood is just as much as a learning experience as you are learning life right now. Like we're all learning every day. So I think that's just good to be like, very level with them and say, Hey, like we've never been put in this situation before either. Um, maybe let's just put a pin in this issue. <laughs> I'll come back to it. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, it's important because I mean, just super quickly on that topic of like, not ev- like, you know, depending on how you grew up, I know for myself, I'll speak from my own personal experience, but like, I never watched, like my parents never had conflict in front of me. It was always behind closed doors. So I never heard them communicate through, obviously, you know, even little issues. Like it was always like pull to the side, like they would discuss it on their own. And like, so I was never taught how to communicate through, through conflict. And so you know, I do think it's important that we teach our kids some of these things. Like, you know, I mean, my parents, for example, like they never said like, I'm sorry. You know, they would never come to me and say like, Hey, listen, I'm really sorry for what just happened there. And so 
coming back to this whole idea of like, you know, changing those patterns and cycles, you know, when we're, when we, you know, we need to be thinking about our parenting in the sense that like, you know, we should be teaching our kids these things, like our humanity, like literally acknowledging our humanity and being like, you know what, like, I'm really sorry. I've been really having a bad day today. It's no excuse to treat you the way that I've treated you. And I really, you know, and asking for forgiveness and, you know, teaching them or like apologizing to our partners for, you know, obviously little things like you have to be selective with those things, but like, you know, showing our kids how to do these things because they're watching, they're listening. Like our boys have said to us before, like, you know, oh, well, Garrett would just say to you, you know, he would just say, say sorry, like go say sorry. And like, you know, there's all these little things that they're picking up on as, as they're, as we are teaching them. And so I do think it's just so important to continue to, you know, like you said, just be real with them and show them, you know, show them these things that they can then take on later in life. And, and even right now, like our kids apply things that we do all the time. So and you don't even know that they're listening, right? And it's it's just those actions that they see, um, like exactly what you're saying. It's like you can even just work on being cycle breakers and better to your spouse. And then as a result, like your, your kids see that and th- them too, they're going to have such a better chance at having such a, a successful relationship when they're older. Because at the end of the day, like we're going to make mistakes, but it's just about remedying it. And sometimes that's an apology. And sometimes that's an action with an apology, you know, because I always say actions always speak louder than words. Um, Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with what you guys are saying. I think that's just absolutely brilliant. Um, So as far as like, okay, so this is typically the thing of like, one person's ready to maybe mm-hmm. make that call to you guys and be like, hey, we need help. Um, and the other spouse is kind of like, we don't need help. We're good. Um, mm-hmm. Do you kind of slowly introduce maybe like a one-on-one session and then maybe eventually that can lead to a two-on-two session? Or do you need both couples present for that work to be done? Yeah, we've worked with couples two-on-two and one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're currently working with you know, people one-on-one, we're currently working with people two-on-two. Uh, we don't force it. And and we we encourage people because, you know, a relationship does take two. We highly encourage couples to work together. Um, but at the same time, you know, one, one person can lead and take into practice and start to apply. Uh, what we teach also within some of our coaching packages, we offer dedicated one-on-one calls within Mm -hmm. and separate from the two-on-two because we acknowledge and know that men and women think differently. And, you know, we believe it's important sometimes for, you know, you have the conversation man-to-man, woman-to-woman, you can provide a different perspective in a one-on-one setting um, versus two-on-two or even two-on-one. But we definitely encourage couples to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and where there is sometimes a pushback, we always like to give the analogy, and this works really good for guys. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak because honestly, nine times out of ten, it's the it's the male who doesn't want to be bothered, right? Uncomfortable to talk about your feelings, or you know, men don't do that. We just bottle stuff up, or I don't need to talk about my relationship. And 
what we encourage, you know, females, wives to, to, you know, kind of use the analogy is, well, you've got a favorite sports team or a favorite sports athlete, you know, does that team have a coach? Does that athlete have a coach? Yeah, of course they do. Well, why do they have a coach if they know everything? Well, the coach, you know, draws up plays, creates a strategy, has a plan. Well, then don't you think that it might be helpful for our relationship if we had somebody that was helping us, giving us a plan, giving us tools, giving us strategies? And sometimes that starts to move the needle a little bit Mm -hmm. where, you know, the other partner can be like, oh, yeah, you're right. There is benefit to having a coach. Mm -hmm. So that sports analogy has been really good for us. And we've encouraged others to use it um, because I think Chelsea said it earlier, like we we can't do life alone, especially blended family life. Mm. We need all the support we can get. And a third party outside perspective can sometimes make all the difference. True, true. I bet you they're just like completely stumped with that analogy, hey? (laughs) It's definitely got quite a few men on board, which is great. And we'll come to, you know, a clarity call. We offer a free clarity call where we just hop on a call with the couple and they kind of give us a bit of background and we give them as many tools and strategies as we can, even in that first call, just for free. Um, and I think it just really shows the value and it shows who we are. The fact that like we're a blended family too. And then, you know, people are like, Oh yeah. Okay. They get it. It's not like sitting in a counselor's mm-hmm. office that's single, doesn't have yeah. kids, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and to a better point, I mean, they could be married and have kids and still completely not even understand anything that you guys are even where you're coming from. Right. So I think that that speaks volumes that, you know, you guys are, you know, like you said, eight years into your marriage of being a blended family and having the, those experiences, like, I mean, that, that is so incredibly like cushioning to even think about that you would understand maybe where someone's coming from and and maybe have had been put in that situation in the past yourselves mm-hmm. totally yeah yeah um no i don't no, carry on go ahead oh no i was just gonna say more often than not we the feedback that we get is just how relatable we are and i think a big part of that has to do with the experience that we've had and not just with us now, but with other couples Mm -hmm. that we've worked through issues and, and dynamics and stuff like that with them. So the relatability piece is huge. Huge. Yeah. So what would you, what would your advice maybe be to that person who's maybe in a blended family and they're like, okay, like we need some type of help here. Um, but their spouse maybe isn't on board. What would, what would your advice be to them? It would be that every day is a new day and the feelings you feel today, you won't necessarily feel tomorrow. And you need to take intentional action to create change. Um, You know, we're big believers in intentional action with an end goal or an end result in line. That's one of the things we ask every couple on the clarity call is like, what's your goal? Because what we believe the difference between coaching and counseling is that Counseling tends to look backwards. What did you do? Why did you end up here with me? Why are we talking? What happened? We don't believe in digging up the past. We believe in moving forward to a future. So what are the goals that you have for your relationship? 
how can we give you tools and move you towards those goals? No different than a sports team, right? Yep. You start out the yep. beginning of the season looking at the end of the season as your goal. Not what did we do last year? How many games did we win? How many games did we tie? Like, no. So we believe that you have to take intentional action, create goals, and then get the work and the support to move towards those goals. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I love that because there's nothing more uh, just dramatic than coming into a session and just ready to hash out everything that you've already experienced and ready to throw the other under the bus. So I think that's maybe what most couples who are maybe opposed to therapy are thinking like, no, I don't even want to go in there because I already know what you're going to say and I already know what you're going to kind of bring up um, and throw me under the bus, right? Totally. Yeah. Awesome. So what can couples expect from a two-on-two session with you? Um, I mean, I guess what what is your protocols? What What do you guys kind of go after in the first few sessions? So typically, um, obviously, it would start with the clarity call, like I mentioned. So that's a complimentary call that we get on with, you know, either one of the of the two or both. Um, and we talk about, you know, kind of their biggest struggles. Um, you know, what are their biggest challenges right now in their, you know, and it we we do help couples that are not in blended families as well, just so clear. Um, but yeah, especially that, you know, we'll, we'll take those areas and we will give them as much value as we can. If they decide to move forward with coaching, we actually provide, um, we, we give them, we'll, so we'll send them a relationship assessment. And essentially what that is, is it's a 300 question questionnaire uh, that they fill in individually. So it takes about 45 minutes to fill out individually, um, you know, what each person. Um, and then we do what's called a, um, a breakthrough call. And then, so once we get them, once we get those filled out, we go over the entire results, like both of their results together on a call. And honestly, the reason why we call it a breakthrough call is because the questionnaire brings up, like it gives history. So it gives family history. It gives, you know, it asks them questions about like, was there abuse in your home? You know, was there this, was there that? And couples actually walk away, you know, even during the, during those calls, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about you. Or, you know, there's some surprises that, you know, the person answered a certain way and it just, it's very eye-opening for couples. And so um, essentially we go through all of it and then, you know, it'll show different areas of relationship. It breaks all of those things down. And really we end the call by, you know, discussing and making a plan as to how we're going to move forward in our individual, like in our sessions, in our future sessions in terms of the priority. So, I mean, for example, a lot of people, you know, their areas of um, growth, I guess we'll call it because we never call it like a weakness, but it's just a growth area. So communication, conflict resolution, forgiveness in a lot of situations. So, you know, we tailor a plan based on the results of that uh, relationship assessment. And then, you know, then we move forward. Like Garrett said, we make a plan and we, you know, we give homework every time that we have a call. 
So, I mean, there's tasking, obviously it's not overwhelming, mm -hmm. but I mean, we want to make sure that we're in, you know, we're checking in and we're holding them accountable to what we're asking them to do because the work that we're asking is based on our training. It's based on the resources that we have and that we, that we're giving to them in order to apply it and see that change. And, and, you know, so the intentionality, they have to be really intentional, but I don't know if you want to add anything on that. Yeah, every every session is typically an hour over Zoom. Um, and like Chelsea mentioned, you know, the first few minutes are just a recap of the homework from the previous call. And then we jump right into whatever the the topic for that discussion is. And it varies from couple to couple. We do not have a standard template. No. Uh, we tell this to all our couples, like we don't just have, you know, five sessions and this is what each of them is going to be on. And we just replicate that and push, you know, repeat with every couple because every couple is different. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if we need to lean into communication for two or three sessions, because that's a major growth area, that's where we lean in. If we don't have to touch communication, but maybe we really have to dig into roles and responsibilities or step parenting or the influence of an ex, then we'll go there. Yeah. So it's completely determined by the clients and the couple, not determined by us. We just provide the expertise and then they go and grow, but we don't, we don't put anyone in a box. We don't, we don't believe in putting people into boxes. Oh, that's great. I think that's amazing because like, yeah, like we said, mentioned earlier, no, no one family is the same. So how can you even have a template for any of those things? It's just kind of experience and growth. And as long as they're willing to apply, I mean, what can really go wrong? Hey. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. And we do offer like 20, well, 24 seven support through uh, WhatsApp. So um, for all of our clients who sign up with us, we're like, we do a group chat. So, and then, or in the event that, you know, there's some issues between the couple, myself and the woman will have our own private chat and then Garrett and the man will have their own private chat so that they can kind of bounce things off of each other. Garrett doesn't share those things with me. I don't share the things that are being shared with me through those chats. So we really just pride ourselves on the support that we're able to provide, especially in some of those instances where something has come up and you need someone like right away, like we're like your best friends, like just send us a text. And like, that's kind of how we, you know, we can help you because we've, you know, probably gone through it or we have a tool that we can help or, you know, we can give you in that moment. So it's another really big benefit of, of doing the coaching with us is that we're really just available throughout mm -hmm. the, the time. And if you, we don't hear from, if you don't hear from us, like it's usually not long before we're able to, I just wrote an email this afternoon to one of our clients with a bunch of things for her to work on. And, you know, she had a rough weekend. And so yeah, we, we offer that type of support as well. I think that in itself would be the most valuable piece because there's nothing, I mean, you can reach out to your best friend, you can reach out to your sibling or whoever it is that you usually reach out to, but like to be able to reach out to you guys in that moment of just like frustration or anger or sadness or whatever it is that you're in maybe with your spouse and you don't know how to handle it, like. Yeah, it's like a, a bestie phone call where you guys actually do understand and can kind of like help you move forward in that moment rather than move backwards or side with you and tell you all the things that you want to hear, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because that accountability, sometimes I'm like, no, I need someone to just tell me that I'm wrong. Because yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not growing. I'm just, you're just telling me what I want to hear, right? And that's not helping my relationship, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. 
that's great. Um, so I know we're just about to run out of time, but I just wanted to dive in a little bit to the four keys. I know you guys have um, mentioned a lot of that on your Instagram page that I follow. Um, can you dive in a little bit about those four keys in a relationship um, and tell us a little more about that for our listeners? Yeah, so those, so those have to do with intimacy because there's more than just physical intimacy. So, I mean, we start off with, you know, one of the first keys is emotional intimacy. So feeling heard, valued, understood by your partner. Uh, then there is the experiential intimacy, which is a key to relationships. So that's, you know, having activities that you do together, uh, shared interests, uh, going for walks, maybe it's camping in the summer, maybe it's, you know, going and doing a, an activity together as a family. Uh, experiencing things. You know, we're big believers and it's one of the reasons why we actually don't buy gifts for each other. We invest in experiences. So, you know, we'll go away to the mountains to Canmore for a weekend or something, or, you know, we'll go and we'll, we'll go to a concert or, you know, go to an event. Um, so experiential intimacy. And then another is spiritual intimacy. Uh, you know, that's a big piece of relationship. And if you're on the same page, it can be really powerful but we've seen where there's differences and it takes away from emotional intimacy uh, and, and feeling that sense of closeness and appreciated. And then the, the fourth one would obviously be physical slash sexual intimacy. So, you know, your primary partner, your relationship, your husband, your wife, uh, your partner, they're the one person in this world that you get to experience that level of closeness with. And we believe that if the other three areas, those other three keys, emotional, experiential, and spiritual are strong, then the physical and the sexual intimacy will be very strong. Yeah. And it takes all four of those to work together. Uh, sometimes we see where couples are struggling in one area, and then all of a sudden it's impacting others. Yeah. Whereas if they're strong in one and they're replicating some of those same practices, then those other areas are strong as well. So it's really around intimacy, which, uh, you know, a lot of men just think it's well physical and sexual, but there's so many other layers to intimacy. People. And yeah. we, we, we speak to all of those and really place importance on all four. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That really sure breaks it down, doesn't it? Cause I think mm -hmm. a lot of people just are only focusing on maybe that one. Um, and I don't know if that's something you guys kind of touch base on is like the love languages. Um, that's something I'm like very new to in the last couple of mm -hmm. years. And it's like, has totally changed my outlook on even just my relationship with my children. Really. Um, everybody has different needs, right? So it's like funny that you know, one thing that works for one person, it doesn't necessarily work for that other person. They have different needs. Um, and then if that's not working, it can kind of just crumble all the other areas of your relationship. So man, you guys speak some major truths and I love it. And I just feel like so many people can benefit. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's not even just a coaching call, but maybe just following along with your content. Um, where can people find you and how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So we are transformed.couples on Instagram and we've got uh, transform couples coaching on Facebook. And if you're interested in any of our services that we offer, or you'd like to look into that a little bit more, we are, we do have a website. It's transformedcouples.com. 
And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, definitely give us a follow on social media. We're most active on Instagram just because that's where a lot of our people, you know, hang out. Um, but yeah, so give us a follow and send us a DM and we'd love to get to know you, know you better. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Chelsea and Garrett. Honestly, like it's been such a pleasure talking with you both. And uh, yeah, we hope to maybe we'll have another one of these conversations again soon. Um, I just think a lot of people, you know, we can focus on a lot of the areas of blended families. But I think when it comes to couples and strengthening your relationship, I just think like you can't get enough of that knowledge. So hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us today, Dana. It's been so great. Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. No worries. Thank you for listening to another Mother Podcast and being a part of our community. Remember, no matter how unique your situation, you are not alone. To be a part of the show, make episode topic suggestions, or to share your story, please email info at anothermotherpodcast.ca and make sure to follow at Another Mother Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and leave us a rating on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed the show. Bye-bye.